riding on the freeway with the cars. <laughs> is that illegal? Of course it's not legal, but this no, is the illegal. thing. Illegal, it's yeah. illegal. Like, but this is the thing. Yeah, yeah. This race is no whatever. Rules. Yeah, yeah. Except for track bikes, no rules. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. And uh, so I leaned out in front of this car. Crazy idea. Slow him down to slow this SUV down. It's honked, and as I've pulled out of its way, I've grabbed onto its side door, and it's just launched me. Oh no! And I've gone right past Felipe because I'm holding on, spinning madly across Williamsburg Bridge for as long as I. Good. I'm like holding on, holding on. Like, all right, it's going to be doing 60 soon. My legs can't go that fast on this limited Doing gear. like 200 revs per Correct. minute. So I let go. But I'd pass Felipe. I'm like, right, back in the hunt. Well, guys, that is a little snippet from the episode I did last week with Andy White, aka Fixo, fixed gear riding bike messenger scene, the underground racing of alley cats, and a whole lot more. It's a fantastic episode. I loved sitting down with Andy, and I've got him back this week for Talking Luft. That's right. Here we are, guys. This is Talking Luft, Life in the Peloton, and presented by our major partner this year, Rafa. I'm loving what Rafa's doing, and I've been really enjoying working with them over the last few years because it's all about making cycling the most popular sport in the world. That's what we're doing here at Life in the Peloton too, trying to spread the word of how cool it is to get out there on a bike. People ask me, what are one of those things I've taken over from my pro life? And aside from my riding legs, of course, the other thing has been AG1. I was using that when I was racing overseas, when I was over there living in Europe, And it's more than just greens. It's a comprehensive blend of vitamins and minerals, probiotics, superfood complexes. It helps provide digestive support, immunity support, metabolism, energy, and stress support. I needed all those things when I was racing at the pointy end. Well, I thought I did. I wanted to have all my bases covered. Of course, I'm no longer at the pointy end of professional sport, but I still want to, and I think I need to feel good too, for my day-to-day life, for my family, but also for my kids, the little munchkins. I like to start my day with AG1 because I know from then on, whatever happens, I've got a nice nutritional foundation for the day, a really good kickstart. It's a part of my daily routine. I'm really enjoying that. Get up in the morning, first thing, grab my shaker, add some water, a scoop of AG1, shake it up, drink it down. It's that simple. AG1 have also got these portion size travel packs, which I take with me when I'm on the road, which is more often than not, and I can keep on my routine as I travel. It's so simple. If a comprehensive solution is what you guys need from your supplement routine, AG1 is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Now, head across to ag1.com slash life in the peloton. That's drinkag1.com slash life in the peloton and grab yourself one. As you guys know, you know how it works here at Talking Luft. We're going to run through some questions, try and trip Andy up when we can. He's a bit of a style king himself, so it was interesting to get a little tidbits of what he thinks is cool. Tried to get some bike knowledge off him. Guys, I'm not going to say any more. You know how it works. Sit back and enjoy this one. I bring you Talking Luft with Fixo. We're back here with, I'm going to refer to you as Fixo today because sure. I think it's appropriate. I We'd, think it's appropriate. People call me Fixo. I call my daughter Little Fixo. So 
Let's go with it. Well, we're doing Talking Luft. We're talking with Andy White, a.k.a. Fixo, and we'll be referred to as Fixo from now on. You are a bit of a fashion guru, mate, aren't you? (laughs) Can you just tell that to Melody? Because she finds that hilarious. And I find it quite hilarious myself that people, well, that even you would think someone as fashionable as yourself me, a fashion guru. Let's call it style. I don't think fashion. Um, yeah, let's go with it. If you say so, then it must be true. Well, let's find out and let everyone else judge you from afar, <laughs> from their ears. And all right, well, let's just start with the, you know, this is talking love. So we've got to start with caps. We've got to talk about caskets, the little cycling caps. Absolutely. I guess in the messenger world, what are they called? Cycling caps. Okay. Yeah, cycling caps. So What's caskets your- uh, is something that's very Euro term. They wouldn't have flown or even been on their radar. Capolinos? Not even Capolinos. No, nah, bike caps. What's your style? You wear it forwards, backwards? You know, I'm talking about without a helmet when you're walking around or maybe, you know, whatever. What okay, is your style? Okay, okay, I would say up high, peak down is my go-to for a cycling cap and would be back in the day. Injurane. Injur- correct. Nice. Correct. Let's move on to then without a helmet. And if you ever did ride without a helmet or if you ever thought about what your style would have been racing back in the day without a helmet or even just cruising around without a helmet. I know it's not done. It's done in other countries, not in Australia. But what's your style when you're on the bike without a helmet? It's funny you bring that up because when I was working overseas in London, quickly you get into winter and you're trying to keep your head warm. And I started to ride as a bike crew without a helmet. Maddingly, yeah, I look back and I think, you idiot. But I'd loved beanies and like even to this day, obviously I don't have a lot of hair and I had a Hari Krishna hairdo of the time. So I was big into beanies, mad beanies, bright beanies, um, winter caps. That was really my go-to for style. And this was without a helmet, but I had a, I was mucking around with a mate late night in London and I had a bit of an off and uh, tested how hard the pavement was with my head. And I decided, I think this beanie era is behind me. I'm going to start wearing a helmet. And pretty much from that point on, I've always worn helmets on the bike as much as I love cool headwear, beanies, caps, you name it. Did you ever go the Belgian warm cap? Yeah, yeah. no, actually we sell uh, something very much like that. So yeah, oh, because there's it's a little plug there for the business. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah of course, Mitch. <laughs> well, uh, maybe we could do a collab. Yeah, uh, yeah the, the under keeping your head warm... Particularly, you got to remember, like, I was working in New York through winter, Vancouver through winter, horrible conditions. Being warm, I'm in my optimal in- environment. If I'm cold, I am a not a pleasant person to be around. So, that was a big part. Um, same with my feet. If I get cold feet, I am not fun to be around. What about your legs? Next question is, did you or do you shave your legs? I used to. Not now. Why? Why did you shave your legs as a courier? Uh, as a courier, uh, I would say I started to shave my legs when I was getting into racing because it was the done thing. Mm. Uh, early days, I think a Just few races. Just to be more aero, saving you know, 0.3 of a second out in the club race. <sighs> like a few people make comments about people with hairy legs and I've got very light hair so it was, and I wasn't particularly hairy so it wasn't a big thing but I do not miss shaving my legs. Lycra or baggies? And I'm talking about when you were a messenger. Oh, uh, shorts. But I remember the first time I bought a pair of bibs and it was transformative because I'm like, holy smokes, these things are so comfortable. I was in San Francisco as a pair of Italian Santini bibs and I was like, oh my God, a chamois, Mm. a chamois. This is amazing because I just hadn't had one before. What what did they think though when you rolled up in Nick's? Uh, Well, I was wearing them 
with shorts over the top. Oh, so you hid them. You were scared. Hid them. Oh, well, well, it's funny you say that because <laughs> when I worked in Vancouver and my met my then to now wife, I was wearing a skin suit. So I had no problem <laughs> getting around basically in my underwear in the street, which is, you know, if there's, there's no more revealing garment in the cycling world than the skin suit. You've got to look trim, otherwise you look ridiculous. So the first time I met Melody, I was wearing a skin suit and she was impressed. <laughs> What about now? Do you like to wear X Pro kit? Because I've seen you in some classic good X Pro kit. Hmm. Or do you like the new wave stuff? You like to sort of keep it rolling? Uh, very, very rarely ride road now, Mitch. Uh, but back when when we hmm. first met and I was riding Northern Combines, I mean, I was wearing the Carrera denim, hmm. um, all of the retro 90s kits, uh, MAPE kits, uh, even the old school woolly kits I would be wearing. Definitely, I lean towards stuff that has a bit of history and nostalgia than the modern stuff. The modern stuff I find very bland, it's very palette-based, and it's very, very trim. I would say ectomorph is probably the build you got to be to, to look good in a modern kit. You know, hmm. they're very fitted. Gloves or no gloves? I wondered this the other day. I was thinking of you guys. I'm thinking of messengers. I'm now referring back to being a bike sure, like, yeah. Gloves would have been a great idea, but actually you got them on all day too. Would you have done that? Uh, absolutely. Gloves. Really? Uh, oh, hell. Or like mitts, like short finger ones. Well, this is the thing because you're working outside all the time and you need – well, this also riding a track bike in a, in a sense with no brakes is easier in the sense because you don't need to use your hands to have control over changing gears or using the levers. So – uh, mitts is basically what I would wear and neoprene mitts I remember the first pair I got from MEC were the one pair of gloves that even though your hands would be wet all day they would be warm mm. and again just so being comfortable you're outside in the elements in extreme environment being comfortable was a big part of the job and gloves you'd almost always be wearing gloves unless it was summer you know? yeah right yeah. I forgot to explain at the start we're going to run through style bikes few topics a little bit of bike knowledge got a bit of a quiz for you as well culture and about you so we've just done a bit of style let's talk about bikes because that is something that you are very fond of Mm -hmm. i know that's a real understatement yeah but i couldn't think of a better word let's just start with and i've added extra in for you rmgt road bike mountain bike gravel bike or track bike one bike forever what is it what about cargo bike? You need to add another category. <laughs> let's uh, not get look, extreme here. Then you go BMX, you know, penny yeah, farthing. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ridden a penny farthing? <laughs> I've never ridden you, one. Uh, you're not a cyclist until you've ridden a penny farthing. It is the greatest <laughs> experience ever. I suggest that you, if someone out there is listening, has a penny that we can loan Mitch. Anyway, we're getting off topic. We'll stick to the question. Mountain bike, 100%. It was the first bike that really pulled me in and got me addicted to cycling. I got into track bikes because I wanted the experience of mountain biking. Absolutely, if I had one bike to do everything, mountain bike, because you can bike pack on it, you can ride trails, you can do a road ride, it's not much fun, but absolutely mountain bike, 100%. Well, this is quite good because I was hoping you'd say mountain bike because this sort of works back in with what I think everyone would have thought you have said, fixed, which would have been a track Track bike. bike. So the, the next question is fixed or geared because you have a fixed geared mountain bike. I did have a fixed gear mountain bike. Well, not have, fixed. I, I mean, single, single speed. speed. Yes. So uh, this should have been single which is speed. my go-to. I mean, I can have a geared bike, but I love single speed mountain bikes. <laughs> you had a fixed geared mountain bike. Yeah, of course. 
<laughs> why? Because it's possible and why not? And again, like uh, in the early days of the, the thousands, I just like riding bikes that would just blow people's mind. And so no brakes. No assuming. brakes. Would you do trails? I did uh, a few crits on. Uh, yeah, it was horrible to ride on trails. <laughs> But I could do it. And I, honestly, it was one of those things. You, you paralleled this to like a skateboard culture. I think fixed gear riders in that era, we were just looking to see what was possible. If, if it was possible, it might not have been fastest, but I could definitely ride very fast. I had a single speed, uh, sorry, a fixed wheel cross bike, basically. It was a track bike with knobbies, like 32s. And I could rip on it. And I remember going to crits and I would be ripping past people on regular mountain bikes. So it can be done. It has been done. Nothing is new, certainly. I mean, I don't know if I mentioned this in the previous pod, but I did the hell ride on a track bike with no Mm, brakes. You did, yeah. Yeah, so like, and I did it just to say, well, can it be done? Yes, I did it. Yes, okay. Um, Anything is possible. Don't put limits just because you can't do it. Um, that's the great thing. What is possible? We're seeing that in sport all the time. What about rounded bars, classic rounded bars or bullhorns? Oh, this is... Look, I love the visual of track drops, but I rode for a long time with bullhorns. Are they called bullhorns? It's sort yeah, of made that up. bullhorns. No, no, they're yeah. absolutely called bullhorns. Uh, that was a big part of my early days. It was just more comfortable and it was easier to put like a time trial brake because mm. um, I could do nose wheelies when I had a brake on my track bike with bullhorns. Um, but I love the classic, when I think about the perfect bike, it's the Eddie Merckx Hour Record bike. It is mm. just a classic, iconic bicycle to me. Uh, and uh, the aesthetic when I'm putting together bikes starts around that. Just mm. a beautiful balance of composition. So that's what I love about the aesthetic of a track bike. All right, spoke cards and crap in the wheel, or you like to keep it clean? <laughs> well, it's interesting. I'll tell you a backstory about the origin of spoke cards. Is uh, a messenger who's a legend in the game, who I highly respect, Kevin Squid Bolger. Uh, his brother actually got him into track bikes, but he hosted an alley cat called The Warriors Ride. And if you're familiar with The Warriors movie. Oh, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, we're like, the Warriors. Warriors! Yeah. yeah, it was great. Anyway, so Squid. Also, I uh, traveled to the Cycle Messenger events and he told me that he put like a playing card in his wheel and then the next race he hosted, the playing cards were like rider numbers and that is where the spoke card culture came from. And when I hosted events, you'd give out spoke cards and, and from a messenger perspective, it was kind of like a, a trophy case of all the places you'd been. So absolutely in the day, I had all manner of stuff and got to the point where it was ridiculous. I was putting stuff that I'd find on the street in my rear wheel to, and it was like a disc. I'll find a photo somewhere. <laughs> but I almost had a disc wheel of crap. Yeah, there you go. That's where the crap and, came from. And I remember one time I did the hell ride on said bike and there was crap flying out because I was going so fast. But yes, it was definitely a visual, one that I'm not... So what, what's the answer? What's the answer? Spoke cards. Got to right. have spoke okay. cards. Yeah. Euro brakes or goofy? You like to go Euro brakes, left hand front, right oh. hand back, or goofy, right hand front. Whatever the Australian hand. standard is. So I, I know whenever I grab your mountain bike, I'm like, what the heck? What the heck? Standard. <laughs> but you're in the US for a while. Well, I wasn't riding brakes. Right. So it, it just wasn't so the, the thing. So the cranks on the other side, was it? 
No. <laughs> but on the crank thing, I'll just quickly say that uh, I had a left-hand drive track bike once and one of my mates, Zach, caught a thing called a double dragon where he got a tandem crank set and he put a drivetrain oh, wow. on both sides. Does it make it go faster? Ah, looked cool as hell. <laughs> cool as hell. Tri-spoke wheel or disc on the road or just a classic 28-spoker? Uh, I love my spokes, yeah. 28s. And the 28 pattern gives you a beautiful star pattern. So, I mean, I can spot the, the number of spokes from a mile away just by the lacing pattern. So. It does look fun. I'm not, I've never been a fan of the whole big carbon wheel, you know, when you see the fixed gear riding through the city. I'm like, mate, seriously. What about as a pro, though? No, well, that's purpose for a race. Oh, right. Like, I'm talking about when you see those guys oh, with yes. tri-spoke yeah. wheel. That was very fashion. That was yeah. very fashion-driven. Tan wall tyres or oh. stealth black? Next, tan, always, every bike. All right. Do you have a Strava account? Of course I do. Do you hunt comms? Uh, no. All right. Why not? When they're worth money, Mitch, I'll have a lot. But until that day, uh, it's just chest beating and I've got nothing to prove to anyone. Favourite training loop, that one loop that you really love, that you think everyone out there should go and do. Tell us, run us through it. Where is it? How oh, it go? Well, I suppose now it's the super loop in the gorge. And it's, a, I suppose, an 18 minutes flat stick that we're going to do. You have done countless times. It's just a great classic trail loop of the gorge. A few bridges, uh, has all of the fun, the visuals and the stimulus, as well as if you want to go hard, it's a really good kick in the guts. Um, so mountain bike loop mountain out bike here in, in the Plenty Gorge yeah, in just outside of Melbourne. It's literally a roll out yep. my front door and it's very close to Melbourne if people want to. And you can roll out from here. What's the address here actually? There's yeah. <laughs> coffee on. Well, the, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, at the future house, the future fixo, if you knock on my door, I will make you a coffee. <laughs> a rider comes towards you. Are you a wave person? Simple nod gesture or you just sort of head down? I'm a wave and say g'day. I'm loud <laughs> if you have not gathered. I'm very engage and same with my daughter's the same if i see someone on the trail i'll stop and have a gas bag i'm that guy are you ready bike knowledge you reckon you know your bikes pretty well you ready for the quiz i think i'm ready all right here we go so the quiz is i'm gonna say the i'm gonna say the bike model you let me know what company makes it and what it's famous for Okay. Well, uh, you don't have to get the famous four bit. I can say that at the end. I'm pretty sure I've helped you out with a few of these pods. So I reckon I, I back myself here, but all right, I, I'm always willing to learn something. We'll start easy and I expect you to get what it's famous for. C40. Oh, the Colnago C40. Mape is obviously the team that made it famous, but it was in the Peloton. What's the- C40 named after? Colnago. Why is it 40? Or carbon. Carbon 40. Why 40? Ah, uh, 40. <laughs> Oh, there you throw me. That's the that's the flipper. Right it's named there. after the fortieth birthday and the C fifty after the fiftieth birthday of Colnago. I only found that out yesterday doing the research for this. I thought it was quite cool. I was thinking it'd be something along the lines of an anniversary, but yeah. So there's a C sixty, and I think there's probably a C. I mean, Ernesto's been around a long time, and on a nerd, we'll go. I'm going to nerd you out. One of my mates has one of the very first bikes Ernesto ever made, and it's a ladies' bike. Ernesto wanted to buy back. He said, sorry, mate, not for sale. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, super cool. Sword? Sword. Oh, the so- no idea. Think, Come on. Give, give, give. Okay, think of sword. pro cycling in the 90s. Tour de France, one of the best riders through the 90s. Is it a Pinarello? It is. Good work. Yeah. What's that famous? Why? What sort of bike is it? It's famous for being ugly. I don't know. 
Uh, that, that famous Miguel Ingerain TT bike. Oh, the, that's called the sword. Okay. Obviously, oh, I feel like you should slap me right now because that is a massively iconic rig, right? But I, you still got it. It's a monocoque though, right? Yeah. Is it a monocoque bike, the sword? Is it? Was that pre... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the time trial bike, Yeah, right? the big time trial yeah, bike. Okay. Yeah. All right. CAD. Oh, it's Cannondale. Stands for something, 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 something. <laughs> Can you get one of those something? Aluminium. That's one of them. Development? No, Cannondale? Well, you got two, two of the four. <laughs> Cannond- Cannondale Advanced Aluminium Design. And who really made this bike famous? Uh, the 90s. I would say um, the guy who should be locked up right now. Chippo. Corsa. Uh, Eddie Merckx. Corsa Extra. Yeah. No. Corsa. Think of that. It's Italian. Hmm. Oh, yeah. You've just thrown me, like, you've got me right in my weak points, Well, Mitch. I thought this one actually was probably going to be a f- bit more up your alley. This is the Bianchi, and Falso copies Bianchi. Oh, really? yeah. Okay. Tour de France winning bike. Classic. Was that with the Cambio Corsa, like, Derailia, I'm going to say? I don't know. You yeah. could be okay. get one up right. on me you there. You got me there. You All right. There. Delta V. Delta V. Is that a... Ooh. Man, you've just found all of, obviously, the bikes that... Well, they're hard. I made this super hard for you, but yeah. this is this is the Cannondale, the original hardtail. The name was hardtail uh, was invented after this bike. It's the first. It's the head shock. Okay. With no, you know, crack risk. and fail is how we refer. Yeah, them right. Fair enough. Oh, look, I'm, and you've got me like I'm not a huge Cannondale fail. Sorry, a fan. Sorry to anyone that's listening that loves them, um, or Giants. But um, yeah, no idea. Sorry, I've learned something today. Torino. I know it's a town in Italy or it's a region. Uh, Torino. I'll give you a clue. It's Italian. Yeah. That's the not bike much of a clue. won Roubaix in 1977. 1977. And a Brooklyn rider rode it. Oh, that'd be uh, Roger Vlamic. Well done. Um, the Torino. So it must be a Geos. Well done. KG86. Oh, that's the look. And uh, that would be uh, f- Alex Zula. No, no. Um, what was it? Why was it super famous, this bike? Um, hmm. Was it one of the early carbon monocoque? First carbon frame, apparently. First carbon frame. Okay. Okay. 5,500. 5,500. That's a trek. Well done. Yeah. Why is that famous? Uh, it's not famous at all. Oh, actually, um, I'm trying to think who wrote it around the time. The 9.8 and the 9.9 was the high end. But the 50, hang on, we're talking road, right? 5,500 must be the 99 tour bike. Well done. Lance Armstrong. Bike. Yeah, the greatest cyclist. Can I just throw that in there? <laughs> Just to stare the pot. The Kevin. The Kevin. That's the the curve. Yeah. Kevin nice. Curve. Yes. Nice. A very famous gravel bike. From locally. Australia, here From in Australia. Melbourne. The stump jumper. The very first well not a, the maybe the first, but I think it was marketed as the first mountain bikes by specialised. Yeah. Iconic. Iconic. Old Faithful. Old Faithful. Old Faith is that a model? Yeah, this is getting a bit more back to your sort of area Old now. Faithful. We're talking single speed. Mm. Fixie? No, nah, no, nah, no idea. This is the Graham Orbe, um 1993 hour record. He made this with parts of his washing machine. Oh, okay, okay. All right, well, it's funny. Um, the 1993 Aubrey, Aubrey World Championships that Billy Joe won the or broke the world record with in the, in the team pursuit, he told me that Graham O'Brien knocked on his door at night while I was staying in the hotel and just came over for a yarn. Very, very peculiar guy but um there you go old faithful last one superbike superbike is the rmit 
and BT Collaborative Project, which well, it later became the BT, but it was a, a project by RMIT. It's monocoque track bike, very famous for Team Pursuit. And I think, does Scott McGrory ride one? Was yeah, the 2000 Olympics made it really famous. Um, that's where they sort of rode it, the Australian White. team. Yeah, I think. Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of it. That was Bike Technologies. And I thought it was quite cool to go to that one because it's pretty close to home here, not too far away, the factory. It's literally yeah. like two kilometres down the road. <laughs> it is very, very cool. Well, last one to finish off bikes. Best bike for you. What's your favourite bike? Of all those things, bikes you've got hanging out in your shed, what's that one bike you just love? Uh, it's, honestly, it's the one between my legs. It truly is. I think uh, there's so many different styles of bikes which you've talked about, but the bike that I'm riding is my favourite of the time. You know, it's just being on a bike out there, particularly with your mates and having a yarn and getting out and getting the blood flowing. Just quickly, side note, I was trying to find a posty bike, like Mm. a a postman's bike. I was reading that maybe that was made by... um, it's made by Southcott in South Australia, but right. Ewan Galley, uh, who's a custom frame builder who sadly passed away, uh, he was involved with the engineering of those bikes to handle the loads for the front basket, and uh, they're iconic. And because I thought that Malvern Star had something to do with making them. If no. they look, if they did, I'm unaware of it. That's my knowledge of the iconic posty right. bike. And if you want a mad pub bike. Because you, you had can, one, didn't you? Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you can pick one up for about 150 bucks. Just mm. search Marketplace. They're great. They're great. An icon. Let's move on to culture. Favourite race for you of all time? That one race that you either have done, that one race that you love watching. What's your favourite race? Oh, I spent the, my favourite race when I was a bike courier was Monster Track. Um, and... Just because it was, it was like the Flanders, I suppose, of the season for, and it gathered people from all around the world. It's a real hotspot of messenger culture. It was in New York, um, and we talked at length about that. In terms of road races, I loved racing the Northern Combine. Actually, the circuits out Lancefield mm. were great, um, great part of the world, and best part of the world, best part of the world, and I actually won a few in A grade back in my day, right like in the nineteen twenties. <laughs> Favourite rider of all time? I don't know if I can have a favourite. It's hard to go past Yarn just because Yarn's Yarn. Um, Yarn Ulrich, we're talking about. Yarn Ulrich. Yeah, mountain biker, obviously Cadell, a local kid who, same age, grew up on the other side of the tracks and just dominated from such a young age. And it was really hard to watch his career as a mountain biker because he was so close so often and even as a pro. But his determination and resilience and perseverance is unparalleled. So I would say Cadell for mountain biking and road. But um, And again, track. Um, oh, <laughs> Are we going through all the know. disciplines? Yep. Go all right, I'll leave it there. Yeah. I'll leave it there. You can do favourite rider right now then? Uh, my daughter, I would say. Because nice. I love hanging out with her and riding bikes. This is a big one for you. Favourite kit? Favorite kits, oh, we're talking. I, I'm. I feel there's a subtext of road. Kit. Well, it can be, but you're you're a bit different on this one because obviously you come across a lot of different, you know, 
cycling sort of avenues you got track you've got fixed you know the the, mm. the messages saying you've got mountain biking obviously you've got your own kit brand then you've got the road which is in, you know inspired i think a lot of your kits so mate it's a big uh, question yeah for you. look um i suppose a lot of the stuff that we did was a fusion of the influences i had musically um 90s basketball music um camo i loved camo growing up so i, I suppose well, maybe you like that team in, in France that had the camo kit, no, the, the military horrible. team. Horrible. We did a camo kit and it was, that and the mixture of the Bulls kit that we did, I would say the mm. Chicago Bulls cycling kit, because at the time we also did overshoes, which were Jordan 5s, which was no one had done them before. They were subsequently shut down quickly by Nike and people have tried to do it since. I'm pretty happy with that kit and... The shoe covers were mad. Uh, it was a and it was a, a design challenge for myself because I'm very much self-taught and I'm not a fashionista. So yeah, I would say my favourite kit is the cycling bulls kit that we did. Obviously. Nice. Yeah. War story. I'm sure you've got one from back in the day. War story. What's one that's popping to mind? That one day we were just like, oh, don't know what was going on that day, but this is just my day, you know? Oh, look, I suppose the, the war story that most people are familiar with is when I broke my neck and I was training up Well, tell camp. us about it. Well, it was a windy day. I was in this area, chapter of my life where I was fooling myself that I might be half-decent cyclist by going out and training. I was doing ergo sessions with my coach. Windy day and I was riding up Hume Vale and I was flying for myself. Uh, I was averaging like 27, 28 up the climb. This is a climb, for anyone who doesn't know, just outside of Melbourne, just from a place called Whittlesea. It's a, it's quite, probably like only a 3% gradient. Yeah. And it's really fast, but it's, it's a climb that I grew up on racing on in a bunch, and you, you're trying to test yourself on this climb. It's absolutely, I suppose, an effort, mm. I suppose. And I uh, was racing track later that night, anyway. And just the, the road's been resealed now. It's very, very smooth. But it's very rough. And about a kilometre from the top, there's a, a sharp right-hander and there was a little bump in the road and I pulled my front wheel up to kind of float over this little bump and the front wheel came out and oh. before I knew it... Well, I was, why, was, why was it not in? Well, <laughs> skewer wasn't done. skewer came loose, yes. Worked its way loose. So as the fork has come back down on the wheel, it obviously grabbed the tyre and it's pitched me straight over the handlebars between heartbeats like i didn't even have time to react smack bang on my head and i felt my brain rattle and everything just shaking i was lying on the ground and my first thought was oh my god i've broken my neck but i could wiggle my toes so i'm like well i obviously haven't broken my neck which is the wrong assumption were you screaming i wasn't no I was just- so it wasn't like excruciatingly painful or it was just a bit shock a bit of a shock it was massive shock massive shock it was very painful but i suppose when you think of hollywood when someone's losing an arm or being cut it, there wasn't any of that and i was by myself didn't have phone reception so after i'd kind of gather myself i had to walk wow. a kilometer back to the main road and wait for someone to call an ambulance how was how, how did you sort of get up and we just very slow just stiff and stupidly i would say this to anyone listening if you do have an injury like this and don't assume that you haven't broken your neck i was trying to move my neck and it wasn't wasn't for hours later that in hospital and after x-rays that they said you've broken your neck we need to isolate it you're going to be in a halo for three months etc so that's when i had the cage on my head for three months but i was very fortunate one not to have spinal damage and two 
the the number of stupid things I did between the accident and getting to hospital. Um, you were lucky you didn't do more damage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had. Were you a, trying to like crack your neck? Absolutely, I was trying to move my neck. I had a bath. I remember my parents were because I didn't even call an ambulance. I'm like, you know what? I'm fine. I don't need an ambulance. Dad, can you just come and pick me up? And then in the car, my parents are arguing which car, which hospital they should take me to. I said, I'm just going to have a rest. I'll be fine. Again, so many stupid things I've done. I should have just waited for an ambulance, got medical professionals there, evaluated correctly. Um, so that's a little uh, PSA for anyone that has an, <laughs> a, a major industry on the road. But yeah, that's my war story. I was very, very fortunate. <laughs> Happened around the time Anamir's broke her neck shortly after. But yeah, it's, um, and it made me extremely grateful for the use of all my limbs because um, it could have been very different. Would have changed my life forever. Big one. It's a big one. Let's, this is a, that was a nice segue into about you because that was about you. This is a bit lighter though. BWS, beer, wine or spirits, Andy? What's your poison of choice? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, if I never drank again, it would not faze me. I would, Melody is almost- Well, you a, probably don't want the present I brought down for you today. No, then. no, no. But I still, like I love- uh, I love a very good beer. And my mate Gons makes an incredible handcrafted beer. I like, I don't need more than one or two. And actually I find that it affects me. Um, Alcohol? How could that affect you? <laughs> <laughs> wine, I love a great wine. Spirits, I've never been a spirits person. Obviously I'm a massive coffee fan. Uh, oh, it's tricky. I'm going to go with wine because I think with a fantastic meal, wine highlights it. Uh, perfectly a red wine and I know you've I mean we went to the Heathcote Wine Festival I know you're a massive winey I would go with wine okay nice so well you, you already so bought- you're telling me you bought a nice bottle right I'll take what I brought <laughs> home or is it the life in the Peloton beer <laughs> could be could not be you never There's know a plug for you, you. I, guess, I guess you'll never know what coffee do you drink then? Oh, it's Genovese, Super Brazil. Well, run me through. No, I'm talking about, yeah, oh, okay. It's right, yeah, what's right, right. Do you like milk? You start with milk in the morning, you move to espresso, so have a filter in the afternoon. Yeah, uh, I don't have a routine. Oh, you I can just, just wake up and have a spro straight away. Yeah, or I'll have a, I very rarely have more than a magic in terms of milk. I don't like milky coffees. Couldn't tell you the last time I had a cappuccino. I reckon the cappuccino died when I was in uni in the 90s, rightly where it belongs. Um, More of short mac, slightly longer on the milk front. Yeah. Favourite cross-training exercise? (laughs) Gardening. (laughs) Well, Well, just call it gardening. You know know what I mean. Clearing long strips of, of... Weeds. Yeah, yeah. I like gardening. I like digging dirt and um, <laughs> playing. Playing. Anyone who knows Andy will know what we're talking about. Most rewatchable race. Now I'm talking about that race that people out there should have seen, or maybe they've seen, but they need to go back and watch. What's that one race that sticks in your mind that you've watched a few times that you just love? 2004 Olympics. Olympics track sprint final. Ryan Bailey Whoa. versus Teo Boss. I was an Australian. Athens, I guess. Yeah, Athens. I was a bike career in Canada and I was in the cafe across the street from 885, which is like the 101 Collins mm. of the time. And, and and I remember it was wet. I was dripping, but they let me in to watch the TV and the TV had the Olympics on. Were you keen to see this event or just happened to be on? It just happened to be on. All right. Because it sort of makes sense to me that you'd be interested in that. Look, I, I like to do more than I like to watch. But it was on and obviously it is the grand final of the Goliaths Mm. of track sprinting. 
and the gladiators. And, I mean, you'll obviously show the clip. Mm. But Ryan Bailey does this little wheel flick, hop up the boards. He was came from BMX. It was just so cool. He knows wheelies over the line in one it's of the It's something heats. that's taken off, I think, from now. But I, I've recently gone back and watched this myself as well. He does this wheelies. He's going across the line. But he beats – this is the second sprint. He's one sprint down from Teo Boss. If he loses his sprint, gold medal over. He comes around him. The last little gets the run off the bend. He's coming around. It's a photo finish, mm. and he's doing a wheelie yeah. over the line. Like, you see guys do this down the track, but it's like when it's they've got it. showing off. Yeah, yes. they've got a bike length or whatever. Well, he, he just naturally does I this. I suppose his bike throw was a wheelie. Pulls up the nose of the bike. And the interesting thing about that era of track cycling is Ryan was the last spinning accelerating sprinter now like Teo Boss was that winded up from way out like mm. Chris Hoy would do because Chris Hoy came from the time trial the mm. 1k same as Boss same as Boss right so he was the last of that generation where he's very explosive speed high leg speed and it's just it was cool as hell to be an Australian in Canada to watch it on the this shitty little TV in a cafe. I was like fist pumping. People are looking at me like I'm an idiot, but uh, it stuck out. And you can watch. The great thing is, you can watch all of it in five minutes. It's so good. I, it's I, so good. Like I said, I watched it. It's on. It's in Italian, but I still didn't care. I still <laughs> yeah, watched that's it. That's right. It's really <laughs> you don't you don't care. You, da, 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 da. you don't need the commentary because it's just so great to watch. There's no cat and mouse. There's no you know track standing. It's just on. Yeah. And, um, Bailey, Bailey, Bailey. We'll put the show no, in the show yeah. notes so you got, everyone can watch it. Yeah. Right, a couple of questions left. When you're out there doing your gardening. Um, What's in the headphones? Because I know you get through a few pods. You're always giving me some good feedback. So I know you're listening to Life in the Peloton. What's yeah. in your headphones when yeah, you're out I'm, there? I love Revisionist History, uh, which is Malcolm Gladwell. Fantastic serial podcast. If anyone hasn't listened to S-Town, uh, listen to a lot of that. Listen to a lot of Jordan Peterson. Listen to a lot of Life in the Peloton, um, which are, you know, I love the breadth of the kind of people that you have on the show. And I obviously listen to a lot of music, like Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, Tool, um, listening to a bit of Brian Eno at the moment, a lot of Radiohead, which is something that we connected with earlier mm. in the in the day. But um, just I uh, like to keep it varied, but I find a conversation in your ears is a really relaxing thing that you don't, you can do a task and have it in your ears and I really enjoy it. And I feel that, each time you listen to a podcast and Amer- this American Life is another great one that I listen mm, to. It is good. Just stories and there'll often be just one little piece that you'll take away from it and I, t- and I talked about this earlier in the week whereas when it's shit days as a bike messenger my dispatcher would say alright guys two words for you today hot bath and it was like a mental note to like ah, this will all end soon mm. and podcasts are very much like that. You'll just <laughs> no. This this podcast <laughs> will end soon. soon. I can get through it. Come on. No, but you'll just get one little piece of wisdom, and I'm I, like, I know you do this. Mm. You take little pieces of wisdom mm. from each person that you meet in the world, and I think that is the great thing about podcasts is you can initially listen to it, uh, and you'll think, oh, I'm not interested in this subject, but then you'll get one little gem. You know, like you'll carry that for the rest of your time. One thing I'll, I'll just throw in this spice it up. A great podcast episode to listen to is on the move oh it's actually the forward part podcast i think i've mentioned this before it's michael moore 
interviewed by Lance Armstrong, and that's all I'm going to say. It is a brilliant life story of a man who's gone through hell and his journey. So awesome. Throw it in. Best thing about riding a bike for you, because you've ridden a lot of bikes, you've ridden in very different disciplines, still riding a bike today. Why do you get out riding a bike, Andy? What's the best thing for you? Uh, change it. Oh, look, I suppose it's like the visual stimulation of seeing the world go by at a certain speed. In a car, it's hard to process everything, but at a bike speed, you can soak it in, and particularly on the trail, you're surrounded by beautiful outdoors, lush scenery. The environment changes through the seasons. I think it's just watching the world go by at a really pleasant speed mm. um, and being able to interact with it. You know, it's that outside experience. It's The uh, wind passing over your face, exactly. the sun on your back, the and rain it, it in your face. It could be rain like, or at night, it could be insects coming in your eyes, but it's all that. It's like mm. being being outside is, is I suppose, the best thing about being a, on a bike and that's why i've never really been a huge fan of indoor cycling and the whole zwift thing i know people obsess about it but it's never been my thing big reason why i like to come out and interview is we get to go riding the after. trails are calling let's that's go trails are calling let's do the super loop see if you can get a kom for whatever that is worth thanks andy no worries mitch Well, guys, what did you think? Talking Luft with the man himself, Fixomatosis, Andy White, a.k.a. Fixo. I hope you enjoyed it. Next week, if you're in Melbourne, come down on the 10th of September, Sunday the 10th, head up to Mount Macedon. I'm going to be attempting an Everest. Can you believe it? An Everesting attempt. Attempt, I use that word because who knows? Can I make it? The idea of this is there's going to be a podcast about it. Look, to be honest with you, I sort of thought the idea was pretty dumb. I don't know why anyone would want to do such a thing. But then I started talking to Annie Van Bergen and I sort of liked the origins of the event, why people wanted to go out and do it, a challenge that everyone could attempt in their own backyard, find a hill and just go for it. So I thought, yeah, maybe I'll try and do this thing and I'll try and document what it feels like. Anyway, I'm going to be down there at Mount Macedon all day long Come and check it out on the south side if you're around. Grab yourself a beer at the Mount Macedon Hotel. I've got a keg of Life in the Peloton beer there. I might pop in and have a few cheekies on my way up and down as well. Well, I definitely will. I'm not going to lie there. That's going to be numbing the pain for me on my Everest attempt. Next week, we've got a fantastic episode with Sepp Kuss. He is in the Vuelta as we speak right now, doing very well. And I thought it'd be good to hear the untold story of the Super Domestique. That's the episode next week. Sunday, I'm Everesting. Wednesday next week, we've got the episode from Sep. Guys, there's heaps coming up on Life in the Peloton. Big thanks to the team behind the scenes who are doing great work. Will Jones, who puts this episode together. And of course, Rafa, our partner here at Life in the Peloton. Guys, until next week, take it easy. Cheers. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Cheers, mate.